Welcome to a Tuesday's edition of the Fontenelle Final Bell. I'm Shaylee Peters joining you here on the World Radio Network. Our guest today is Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors, Boca Raton, Florida. And Sean, we did see a little bit better day today, especially in our grain trade. Kind of recap what we saw throughout today as far as our grain trade is concerned. Well, I think we have to kind of understand that everything is connected. Um, and a lot of times, there's been a long-standing trade that many of the algorithms and computer uh, traders have put on, which is to go long stocks and short commodities because that trade has worked out so well for so many years. But when you get a big dislocation in stocks, a second big downdraft, what happens is, is those pair trades start to be removed. That means selling your stocks and buying back your shorts in commodities, especially agricultural commodities. So we think a lot of what might have happened here in the middle of the lot of part of the day, which put a bid into the grains, uh, was a lot of that we call short covering, unwinding this pear trade because of the stock market falling out of bed due to this uh, you know, coronavirus. So it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic. Also, you know, the U.S. dollar falling hard today when it was strong yesterday. It, it could be an indication that the Federal Reserve may be ready to take some action of printing more money or lowering interest rates. The dollar has a tendency and a habit of gaining, uh, of sensing that first. And of course, any easing and weaker dollar is always good for grain markets. So, so there's some interesting dynamics, and maybe it's suggesting that we're ready for maybe kind of a, 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 a turnaround later this week in the grain markets. Now, one thing I know you wanted to talk about, which is really interesting, Sean, is the situation that we're in right now with the coronavirus and its spreading. Um, is you wanted to shed some light on the history of pandemics, specifically how they impact the markets, what that looks like. Walk us through some of that, Sean. Yeah, we went back and we studied the Asian flu of 1958, the Spanish flu of 1918, the Black Death. 1655, Ebola outbreaks, and we said, what were some common things? What can we expect? What we found is these viruses, we call it three months and done. In every single instance, the virus had a rise and fall that completed within a three-month time from the time of escalation. So if we look at late January as the beginning of the escalation, that would put the month of April as where we expect to see the first signs that China is seeing a de-escalation of the virus. What's also interesting is that markets tend to fully price in a pandemic's outcome within 45 days, roughly, from the time the pandemic became known. So if we run that through, that means mid-March would be the time that we would expect most markets, whether it's stocks or commodities, to price most of what is going to take place with the virus in. And then what we also saw every single time is once the virus was showing to go into recession, going away, the post Virus reaction in the markets was a slingshot effect. All this pent-up demand from quarantining is unleashed once everybody goes back to work, it's back to normal, buys the food that they have been putting off for a long time. And remember, all these trillions of dollars that have been printed over the last month to try to offset this virus are going to be looking for a home, and they like to jump on trends. And if the grad ag markets and commodity markets are trending up, we could see a flush of this money coming in. So we're very very excited about what looks like a very bullish, very upward-moving set of markets for grains from mid-April into the latter part of the summer. And so we would really keep all of that into perspective 
Don't get too depressed about the current situation. We've been through this before, and it actually has a very, very bright outcome for markets, but you do have to be patient to get through the final phase of the downswing like we're going through right now. So interesting to hear you talk about that and uh, maybe provide a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel perspective here. Uh, We're going to shift gears now and talk about spring planting. It's not too far off for a lot of our guys. Uh, Spring planting ideas or things that you see as we approach this time of year, Sean? Well, the number one thing we try to do is try to get the weather right. We're big on following natural weather cycles from sea surface temperature cycles to solar cycles, planetary cycles, to make our general forecast for what we think. Now, last year we made a forecast for excessive wetness, delayed planting, all the things that we know happened last year. Everyone is afraid that that's going to be a repeat. We do not see that. So the good news is we see an early start to the spring, uh, and we see farmers being able to get out in the field early and get started early. That's good. The bad part of getting out early is the grain markets and the speculative community will view early planting as an idea that that means large crops later on in the year. However, what we see is that mid to late spring, we could be looking at some very, very dry, even drought-like conditions in many parts of the Midwest that could compromise or make people question those early planted acres and create a very similar kind of a V-bottom that we had last year um, when rain makes grain and then it didn't. This year it will be early planting makes grain until it doesn't. So we really think there's another slingshot effect from a good start to the planting season, but a bad finish to the planting season. And it'll offer, we think, farmers, grain farmers in the U.S., a great selling opportunity in the latter part of the spring into the early part of the summer. So, so we just want to kind of keep in mind that we, we're going to have some challenges short-term with price, but there is a bright outcome beyond that. Certainly things to look forward to. You've got about 30 seconds here, Sean. Um, given kind of the trade we're working through and as and we are into the spring, what are some of the things, just in a nutshell, that you're telling some of your producers as we deal with these markets right now and this pandemic? Um, keep perspective. Keep your cool. Um, be patient. Um, this will pass. And, and I, I, the most important thing is that this will pass. This is not the first time we've had pandemics. We've had them two times out of every hundred years for thousands of years. We know what they look like. They do start and they do finish. This is not the end of the world. This is just a hiccup, a bump in the road, a big bump, but not the end of the world. And one should be very optimistic about better times later on in the season. Don't lose hope. Sean Hackett, our guest today, Hackett Financial Advisors out of Boca Raton, Florida. You're listening to the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell. I'm Shaley Peters on the Rural Radio Network. We are into Tuesday's edition of the Final Bell, visiting with Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors, Boca Raton, Florida. And, Sean, we talked about those grains there in that first segment, and now we shift over talking about our livestock. And, unfortunately, you know, um, livestock opened higher across the board today. That was not the case throughout most of the day, though, for our cattle. And uh, lean hogs were a little bit mixed and tried to hang on there towards the close. Uh, breakdown, though, it, go into detail on today's trade as far as our livestock is concerned. Well, with livestock you know, and milk, um, they're not as easily storable as the grain markets are. You don't like the price, you throw it in the bin, you weigh around, and you can sell it a, a later day. But when you're, you know, when, you're, when you're in the business of selling a perishable item like livestock, it, it, it's more impacted by a near-term loss of demand. We're supposed to sell you know, all this beef and pork to the Chinese as part of a phase one trade deal. 
Uh, we're supposed to sell a bunch of meat to the Japanese as part of a trade deal. And, of course, because of this disruption with the uh, coronavirus, that has been cut off for now. And we're left wondering what do we do with all the animals that we were supposed to slaughter and, and, and ship out. And, and, we're, and we're struggling to find that. Um, but it's a short-term issue. The prices in China are going through the roof still. Pork prices in China, record highs this week. So the shortage has actually gotten even worse. So the minute that they can open up business for business again and get those import facilities going again, they are going to be looking for as much meat protein as they can get their hands on, of which the U.S. would be a huge recipient of. So this is a delay, not a loss. And it's the same, you know, the kind of same that we, the kind of discussion we had in the first segment. Um, and, and it actually looks like the hog market might have already made a low. You know, we, we had that big reversal last week, and we've actually held above the breakdown point even in the last couple of days when the deluge of all these markets falling apart. So, so the hog market looks to me might be the leading charge, the leader of, of the, of the livestock already leading the charge back up while cattle is following behind, still searching for that reversal. We're pretty confident the cattle market is probably not too far away from doing just that. And you talk about China, of course, still they're getting, they've got their protein problem, as you called it. And so while this is um, a big bump in the road, as you said, uh, how quickly do you think that'll turn back once, you know, they decide that they definitely need the protein? Well, once, once, once we talked about how the, you know, the virus progression, but once the virus starts to Proceed, and they're getting, and they can feel confident getting their import facilities going again. The very first thing they are going to buy is going to be meat. We think it could be very, very quick, very, very fast. Big countries like China that can't feed their populations with a key meat product like pork, for example, you know, they don't do well over the history of China when 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 food is a shortage and at high prices like this. So we think they would be doing everything they could to bring it in immediately. So we think it could be a very quick reaction, and that may be the reason why pork prices probably have already made the loan or the reverse because the market is sensing that will be the first place they go when they open up those import facilities. All right, let's shift just a little bit, but kind of remain along the lines of livestock and get a dairy update, Sean. Well, dairy, look, uh, we, the dairy market is extremely sensitive to Chinese demand, especially for milk powder, dry whey. So when we look at class four, and class three prices, which are the two dominant uh, milk futures prices in the market, the class four markets are really, really falling out of bed because of the lost demand for milk powder, uh, and because the China is just not able to bring it in, uh, you know, bring it into the country. So, so milk is being felt, uh, is, is being, you know, being impacted by this. The other thing is that the U.S. is having better production. We had one percent growth in U.S. production this past week um, for January, and that means we're going to be building excess cheese stocks uh, all the way into the spring and, and, and early summer like we normally do, and it's going to kind of ease the shortage that we developed last year when U.S. production was flattened down because returns were so poor. So a lot of things are coming together between lost demand and improved U.S. production that suggests that the prices are likely going to go lower at least into the middle of the spring into April before the market will start looking ahead to some better times over the summer. So the the, the bad news, there's probably more downside to go. The good news, most of the downside is probably behind us now, and we're just waiting for the market to kind of round out and, and, and place that final spike low that typically milk does 
when it gets into these downswings. All right, as we wrap up today's final bell, Sean, you've got about a minute here. Um, just general daily trade, and then, of course, where can people go if they want to uh, talk to you outside of this segment, the final bell here? In terms of something that I would really want your listeners to watch, watch the Federal Reserve. I think the actions of the Federal Reserve over the next week could be very, very important to markets and maybe cause a turnaround and a rebound in markets. In terms of how people can contact us or learn more about what we do, go to our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have interviews, podcasts, download sample white papers, all kinds of things on there to see if what we do might benefit your listeners. Thanks so much. Sean Hackett, Hackett Financial Advisors, Boca Raton, Florida, our guest today on the Fontenelle Final Bell. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.